Welcome to the Work Camper Show, brought to you by WorkCamper.com. This podcast helps you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. Each one of our episodes will introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to work camping opportunities all around the U.S. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Today I'm interviewing a woman who will turn 80 years old in January. She found a niche working as a volunteer for AmeriCorps. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News. If you have more questions than answers when it comes to the work camping and RV lifestyle, then don't worry, Work Camper News has your back. Attend a free monthly work camping Q&A webinar to get your questions answered. Each month, the knowledgeable team behind WorkCamper.com hosts a free live webinar where they answer questions submitted by folks just like you who are learning about the RV lifestyle, just getting started, or who have been work camping for a while. They cover topics like what kind of work camping jobs are available, what do those jobs pay, tips for writing a work camper resume, questions to ask an employer, what type of RV is best to buy, and how to get your email as an RVer, and much more. In the description of each video, you'll find a list of questions that were answered so you can quickly jump to the sections you want to hear. Register for the next live webinar at workcamper.com forward slash answers. Or listen to detailed answers now by watching the recordings of past Q&A webinars on the Work Camper News YouTube channel at youtube.com slash workcamper and click on the Q&A on Work Camping playlist. Peggy Scott worked as an engineer when she was raising her children. Today, she loves teaching youngsters about STEM topics, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. She has traveled all over the world, but today lives in an Oliver Brand travel trailer, working at various AmeriCorps projects for a year or so at a time. Peggy said it's the ideal opportunity for people on Social Security because it keeps them active in a way that utilizes their skills, talent, and experiences to help other people. As an AmeriCorps volunteer, Peggy worked at a library where she developed literacy kits for preschoolers, and another job had her training teachers at a university. She developed hands-on activities for the teachers to use in their own classrooms. Peggy explains there are two branches of AmeriCorps. VISTA, which is modeled after the Peace Corps, allows volunteers to work on developing a project that can continue after the volunteer moves on. The state and national branch plugs volunteers into jobs that enable them to work directly with the people being served by the project. Peggy also describes some interesting challenges she has faced as an RV owner, such as losing control of her travel trailer and having it flip over into a swamp. To tell us more about her experiences as a solo RVer traveling with her cat, as well as her involvement at various AmeriCorps jobs, please welcome work camper Peggy Scott to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Peggy. I appreciate your time and I'm excited to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with AmeriCorps. I was working overseas as a teacher, an English teacher, and that was, I loved it. Lived in several countries and traveled to even more. But I aged out of their retirement system. And you can't work in most countries unless you could apply for their retirement. So I came back here and I found that AmeriCorps, which is like an in-country Peace Corps, that AmeriCorps had a lot of the things that I liked about overseas work, which is that it's a one-year commitment. 
after that one year, you're free to go off and apply someplace else, somewhere else in the country, another type of job and work there for a year. And then you stop working for as long as you want and travel or sit around on the porch with your feet up in the air or whatever you want to do, and then go back applying for another job. So that's my experience with AmeriCorps in a nutshell. What kind of jobs did you do for them? I worked in a library and I, with a partner, we developed literacy kits for preschool and kindergarten children that were to be designed to be taken out by teachers or parents. And so the books were themed and along with these maybe 10 themed books would be activities that went with it, that complemented whatever they were doing. The one that I like absolutely best was at a university that had a teacher training program. And I designed, developed, and set up a storeroom with projects in it where teachers who are learning to be teachers would go out on teacher training and they would come in and pick out some hands-on activity that had been developed and everything was there. Instructions and a, a little kit that they would just pick up a bin and take out with them and supplies that need to be replaced. The idea was that they would go into a classroom and do some hands-on activity and find out how fun it was and not as disruptive as they might have thought it would be, and they would enjoy it. And then when they went to their regular teaching job, they would continue doing these STEM activities with the kids. And I just really loved that. I got to do some in-classroom tests, and I tested in libraries and things like that. There's two AmeriCorps branches. One of them is called VISTA, which is literally patterned directly after Peace Corps, where you go in and you don't work directly with people. You work with some project with the idea that you will leave behind something that's sustainable and can be carried on by them. So in the most dramatic way that you can think of it, you're leaving a legacy behind with what you do. And in the reality, you're lucky if they ever use it again. But And the other one is called State National. And with that one, you work directly with whoever it is that's being served. And the first time I did that was a, a project where I did teaching English to a group of older ladies who were Haitian, and it was a social event for them. They would come in and they would hug and they would say hello, and they would just, it was just this wonderful, warm environment where very little English teaching went on <laughs> or was learned, but it was a great kind of neighborhood opportunity and also to be immersed again in another culture, which I just love. I think um, that would be fun. Yes. Were you, have uh, you been a, a teacher all your life? No, no. Uh, I was what's called an engineering aide. I worked as a junior engineer for uh, oh, 19 years at the Department of Water and Power in Los Angeles and it ended up going to school and went to community college and local college and finally got enough credits that I transferred to a real college and, and got my four-year degree when I was, I was like three days short of 40 years old. I didn't match my daughter's record, but, but, and then at that point, I went and started working for a science museum and I just loved it because you would design demonstrations and then you'd have this table full of stuff that you would use to, to make a point or to demonstrate something that you want to show, to have some interaction with the audience. And 
we also did overnight groups where we would have activities in the museum where the kids would have the full reign of the museum to be able to do like scavenger hunts on the, and this is all a hands-on museum. Everything's everything you do it yourself. And they could use the scavenger hunt to go and use the activities to find the answer and then come back. Just great fun. And during that time frame, I also worked at a university and did after school and summer programs for STEM. This is all of this is related to STEM and had a Girls Inc. I directed an Earth Girls Inc. program for about three years until the main sponsor had abscounded with $2 million. Oh, my goodness. Program. It was tragic. It was that would awful. Be. But yeah. For- and a friend said, hey, I'm a sales consultant at this ISP selling internet projects and I get to eat meat once in a while, which working for nonprofits like you doesn't happen. And I said, okay, I like that idea. And so for seven years, I was on the phone selling internet products from on incoming calls. And it was like teaching because this is, I started there in 1996. And so people didn't know what the internet was. People didn't know what dial-up was. And each call, not every phone call, of course, but many phone calls were just like helping people understand what was available and what it was going to do or could do for them. It was a period of magic with the internet. But And then after seven years, the company that I was working for outsourced 6,000 employees. And there was this small little core of 30 employees that were left. And we would test products. And I don't know what we did. It was just not a happy environment for any of us. And I was there for about six months under that. And I said, I've got to get back into the museum. And I looked online and I looked for a museum job. And there was a museum job teaching English in China. And it was a science museum that had the Great Wall passing by. That phrase changed my life. I was so charmed by that phrase, the great wall passing by. I applied for that position. Then fortunately didn't get it. Got another position in China and taught English in China for a couple of years and went to Taiwan for three years and taught English there. And then just, I lived in seven different countries teaching English. So that was what happened before I came back and found AmeriCorps. What a great story. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't realize what STEM is, and that's science, technology, math, math, and engineering. And engineering. There you go. And so that's very critical teaching things that we need to be, that kids need to be interested in. And we need more people to start exploring that at a young age because they're desperately needed in those career fields. So good for you for teaching those kids and trying to get them interested in those subjects. I agree with you about how important it is. And Fortunately, a lot of the STEM activity now is designed to involve everybody, whether it's the guys who are easy to get or gals or students who are disabled or in any kind of capacity that they show an interest. It's to in, to engage them. I, and I agree with you on how important it is. How did you wind up in an RV? My daughter said, you like to travel. Why don't you get a travel? Why don't you get a trailer and travel? Get out of town in a trailer. And she said, I'll buy you a trailer. And I want, there was a specific trailer that I wanted. I put it on order. And I, until I got that trailer, I traveled in her trailer. And then since then, I've upgraded to another trailer and upgraded my vehicle. And that's how I ended up in an RV. And then 
two of the positions that I've had since I've lived in the RV and I'm full-time. I've been full-time now for three years. After a year, it was time to make the decision as to whether I wanted to go back to my house or not. And I was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going back. I'm staying here. And that's how I ended up in an RV. What kind of RV do you have? I have what's called an Oliver, if you know what that is. An Oliver? Okay. I've not heard of that. No. Okay. You know what a scamp is? Yes, I've heard of that. No. Okay. It's a fiberglass trailer. And so scamp or casitas, they're small fiberglass trailers that that people are pretty familiar with. And Oliver is a big fiberglass trailer. It's 23 and a half feet. It's one of the larger fiberglass trailers. And and I'm sure everybody says this about the trailer they love, but it's considered to be one of the finest built trailers in existence. And there's maybe some competition coming up. Hopefully there's some competition coming up. So we've got some really fine options on trailers, but it's everything I wanted in a trailer. I had a little, I had a scam. That was the trailer that I really wanted. I had it for two months and I destroyed it when it <laughs> went into a sway on the freeway and flipped over in a swamp. Oh my. After it pulled us up. Yeah. It was a dramatic photo opportunity. Believe me. And for months I would look at all, all of the videos that showed out of control sways, thinking that maybe there was somebody behind me with a dash cam. <laughs> I've never found one. I've never found it. Apparently they don't exist, but aside from seeing my poor little trailer covered in mud, wheels up in the swamp, everything about it was a good experience. The people that came out to help me, people who stopped on the freeway when I first, when they saw me go off the road, to the folks who towed it, to my insurance company, it was just everything involved in it was just really good. I actually, even though my insurance company paid me out fully. They totaled it. I was able through some mechanism that I don't know. I was able to get it back. I just took the trailer back. The insurance company gave me the trailer and I had to spend just a few hundred dollars to the storage unit for the time that they had it. And so I got the trailer back. It's amazing. It's just, it's unique. It just doesn't happen. You're very fortunate that the accident didn't pull your tow vehicle into the swamp as well. It I am. Strangely enough, my little scamp, it had hooks on it, but the hooks didn't have the safety on them. And I didn't realize at the time that it should have had the safeties. But because it didn't have those safeties, when it was swaying, it actually was able to release the chains. And then when it flipped, it it tweaked the toe, the oh, A-frame. It tweaked the A-frame. And so I think that happened when it pulled off the ball. I'm very but, glad um, that you weren't hurt. I understand that you no, travel no. with a free companion, though. Oh, yes, I do. And he was in the back seat in his car seat, and he, wa- he wasn't phased at all. I think that's a testimony to how bad he thinks my driving is. But <laughs> And what do you have? What I, kind of pet do you have? I have a cat. I have a cat, and uh, he's an indoor-outdoor cat. He's inside now more because I'm in central Florida. It's hot as heck, so he comes in to cool off. But he goes out in the daytime. He has to be in at night. And he's just uh, somebody I got at the uh, the shelter. You know, I just went in and said, I'm looking for a three-month-old cat. They said, we've got one. And here he is. And I went, okay. And it turns out he is absolutely 
the perfect travel companion for me. Oh, absolutely perfect. He's just wonderful. He's, I, I shouldn't say this was so much pride, but he's, you can edit this out, but he's a badass. Oh, that's great. <laughs> he, when folks come by, if they walk their little dogs, and when I'm talking about little dogs, I'm talking up to 40 or maybe even more pounds, and they walk by what he thinks is his territory, he attacks them. Every once in a while, I'll hear this, and somebody will be fast walking away down the street, and I just has been out attacking this little guy. <laughs> that's too funny. The thing about your story that really amazes me too, Peggy, is that you are no spring chicken and you are out here oh, doing no. it on your own in your 80s. I can't believe well, it. I'm not 80 yet. Okay. I'm going to be 80 next January. Oh, so close I enough. First, I tell people I'm 78 because the nines are always awful. 39. Who wants to be 39? Who wants to be 19? And they just always sound like just something awful. And so always for a year and a half, I've been whatever the eights are. And then for a year and a half, I, I'm still in my 78 year and a half. And very soon I'll flip over to being 80 for a year and a half. A lot of people but wonder I, how you would do it at age 80. Do you have any real challenges in doing work camping or are being by yourself at that age? Yes. I'm slower and weaker than than I was 30 years ago, but I, my trailer has no slide outs, which is one of the things I wanted about it. It's long enough that it has a double axle and it is perfectly level. When it's hooked up to the truck, it is perfectly level with the truck. So I can pull into a spot and not have to unhook it right away. So if it's been a long night, or a long day on the road, or for some reason I don't want to unhook. I don't have to. And so I can do all of that the next day if I want. And I've spent the whole morning, if I'm just moving park to park, I've spent the whole morning getting it all ready to move. And here it's been hot, I'm tired. And so I'll usually hook up the water and the electric, and that's it. And there's nothing else to do. There's really, like I say, it doesn't have any slide outs. And it's a narrow trailer. It's only seven and a half feet wide. So I don't need double mirrors. It's easy to park. My little trailers, I had a couple of 16-foot trailers, and they were awful to try to back up. And this one seems to be large enough that it's not squirrely like the little ones are. So this is the first trailer I've actually backed up and parked myself as opposed to trying to get someone to help me. If I'm going in the right way, I can I could park it by myself. Um, and when I'm leaving... I have a camera for my hitch. So I put my ball camera on and I use the ball camera to back up so I can back up and hitch it by myself too. That's so, helpful. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But Very good. And yeah. I understand. I, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. I understand mm -hmm. that you are looking for some new type of work camping experiences that doesn't involve AmeriCorps. What kind of jobs would you like to have? Greg, I have to tell you that this is because of you. We had a conversation and you said, it sounds like you have been a work camper. And I was like, huh? Yeah, but my last two positions, I was working from my camper. I was. And, it's, and I always hear about, for years and years, we've heard about people being hosts at exciting places. And I thought, maybe I should look at that aspect to it, too. And I'm looking at things that aren't. I have... One right now that I'm looking at that is a part-time ranger, 
at a fairly smallish campground. And uh, part-time would be great. And in the campground where I am, and in many of the campgrounds, I have two neighbors. One is a ranger and one works in the rec center at this campground where I most like to stay. And in this campground and others, almost all of the rangers that I know are happy people. And people who work in the rec center and the office, they're not as happy. I don't know why. I think it's being outside. I think it's knowing that, yeah, that you're always up front about people. You're always greeting people. So you're just on a roll on smiling and greeting and being happy. And I like what the rangers do. They just, they, they usher people to the site. They check them in. They go around before it's time to check out, make sure everybody's supposed to check out. They see what sites are empty. They do things that I think would be interesting and it wouldn't really be the same thing every day. And that I would like very much. And you meet a lot of nice people. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm unbelievable. And you will find that people who camp don't talk about religion and they don't talk about politics. They just talk about camping. They talk about playing music, having a campfire. They're just nice people. And I will tell you, I'll tell you what my bent is. My political leaning is probably on the opposite side of at least 60 to 80% of the people that I camp with. And I think probably there are things that I say sometimes that would demonstrate my political leaning. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. And the folks who have a political leaning next different than mine are some of the nicest, most helpful people I have ever met. Kind. Almost like the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. She's who really pegged that. <laughs> yes. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where are some of the places that you would like to travel yet? I would like to stay in the South and probably now in the Southeast, excluding Texas. And it would be convenient to stay here in the Orlando area where I am, because this is where my favorite spots are. The one AmeriCorps position I'm applying for is in the Tampa area, close to here. And so that that was why. There are two reasons. One, and it works for the homeless population. So again, you're going to spend some time out. You're going to meet people who are really nice, but really need to have somebody to offer them services. And this is, you try to find services that match whoever it is that you're working with or who's being helped by the, or you serve in the kitchen. So you're just out with a lot of like-minded, really nice people. What are some of the favorite states that you visited? Favorite states. I love my own California. I really like Yosemite and Sequoia. Mm -hmm. I do Florida. There are not a lot of states that I have a crazy desire to go back to. (laughs) It would be probably that there was either a really interesting opportunity or I had friends there and I would be near my friends. But so to think of committing to work for a year in a state, not a lot, but visiting, there are a number of states I would like to visit. Montana. I've never been to Glacier National Park. Is that what it's called? And I was very close to it and didn't go. And I'm sorry I didn't get the chance. I'd really love to go back there sometime when I could see the glacier before it's completely gone. No, 
that's one place. So if you had to start this whole journey over, is work camping or RVing, is there anything you'd do differently? I tell people, but two things. I've led a blessed life. I really have. And the other thing is that the universe is on my side. Most of the things that I did were appropriate things for me to do at the time that I did them. I did not like working as a junior engineer for 19 years, but at the time I was raising my children as a single mother. And so it was appropriate for me to have essentially a man's job and a good income at that time. That was appropriate at that time. And then after that, I didn't go into the Peace Corps until I was 60 something. And so I, I traveled when I was younger. During the time I was raising my kids, my husband remarried and he had the kids for a while. And I went to Europe for six months. Bought a BMW and drove around Europe for six months. I loved it. And I regret not traveling more. I talked to Europeans. Mm -hmm. Europeans would go to Asia. Americans would go to Europe. And when I went to Myanmar, I talked to people who had gone to Myanmar 20 years before when it was a completely different country and not under political rule. And I wished I had seen things earlier. So there, there are some things that I wish that I had the opportunity to do that didn't happen. But I have, since I've been in my early 20s, I've not been without a passport. And I have a passport that has nothing in it, nothing. But I always had a passport because what if somebody invited you to go to Paris for lunch? Exactly. You never know. You've got to be prepared. Do you have any advice for people who are considering becoming work campers? I would have to know the person. You, you need to know if you're going to say to someone, boy, I think it would, you sound like someone who would really benefit from doing this. You have to know if they're really shy, if they're insecure. A thing that people frequently ask me, whether it's been that I go overseas or that I'm traveling alone, they, they frequently say, well, aren't you afraid? And I always tell them, I don't do afraid. But if somebody says, and when I tell people that I was in the Peace Corps, they say, oh, I wanted to do that. And I always think, why didn't you? What held you back? And so if someone's saying, oh, wow, I would love to do what you're doing, unless you know what's holding them back, there's no advice to give them. And something very serious might be holding them back, like family obligations or, or mm -hmm. just not wanting to be alone. So I, just general advice. And I will say this, that if you decide to do work camping or try to do work camping and you like borrow somebody's camper to take off with and say, hey, I'm going to be back in six months. Do you mind? I'll clean it out when I get back and take off. Just do it because you are going to meet the nicest people and you're going to be around people who will help you and want you to succeed. And I think that's absolutely true. People who are camping. I don't think it's true with folks who have moved into their 40 footers for financial reasons and sold their home. They're replacing their home. They're not looking for the experience. And that's a that's a little different mentality. And they're nice people. I'm not disparaging, but they're not the kind of camping community mentality that you find at campgrounds. I would agree with that. That's probably pretty, pretty similar experience around the country. It's becoming more of a manufactured housing community than it is a campground. Yep. How can yeah. people connect with you? I'm on Facebook. I'm real easy to find. 
And there's two ways you'll find me. My name is Peggy Scott, Peggy with an I-E, Peggy Scott. If you see a picture of an older woman with an animal, probably me. My Facebook page is almost always about my cat. I just love my cat so much. I'm on groups that have to do with campers that I particularly like or that I've had. And so I'm on an Oliver Facebook page. I'm still on a scamp page. Thank you so much, Peggy, for sharing your story with me today. It's just fascinating that you've done so many things over the course of your life and you're still plugging away and want to do more. I applaud you for that kind of attitude. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, Greg, I have to tell you, I think that you must be very much appreciated when you call people because people love to talk about themselves. I would agree with that. (laughs) And you give people an opportunity. You're such a listener. Thank Thank you. you. I have so enjoyed this. I found Peggy Scott's story to be very interesting and inspirational. I appreciate her sharing it with us today. The fact Peggy is RVing by herself when she is months away from her 80th birthday is rather remarkable. It should encourage others who think they are too old to pursue a work camping or a travel lifestyle. Although AmeriCorps has been a wonderful experience for Peggy, she would like to broaden her work camping experiences by getting a job as a camp host or ranger at a small campground. She absolutely loves meeting new people who just want to have a good time and avoid all the drama that typically divides people today. Peggy is also applying for a different AmeriCorps job in Florida where she would work with homeless people in the Tampa area. Yet she still desires to visit Montana someday and especially Glacier National Park. I love the response Peggy gives to people who ask whether traveling as an older single woman makes her afraid. Peggy says she doesn't do afraid. It bothers her when people allow fear to hold them back from doing things they've always dreamed of doing. People can connect with Peggy on Facebook by looking for her at the at Peggy Scott profile. Peggy ends in an IE. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, Work Camper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you'll find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with the community of work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a diamond or platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. That's all I have for this week's show. Next time I'll be speaking with a longtime employer who hires work campers to help prepare taxes for other folks. He also offers some good tax advice specific to work camping. I'll have that interview on the next episode of The Work Camper Show. Thanks for listening.